Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about a reported UFO crash in Italy, 1933. That's correct, a reported UFO crash in Italy, 1933. Now, this is a report with a little bit of controversy around it, but I think it's worth researching and it's worth talking about. And I found a pretty detailed article on researchomniablogspot.com. doesn't seem to be a lot of information on this stuff. It's out there, I'm sure, but it's hard to find. Now, basically what we're told is that on June 13, 1933, a circular craft resembling a pair of saucers joined at their outer rims crashes near the town of Moderno in Lombardy, northern Italy. The object, made of thin, silvery-gray metal, was about 50 feet in diameter and less than 7 feet thick. No occupants in the object were found, but some researchers think their war recovered two bodies inside. It says this crash happened 14 years before the worldwide famous Roswell, New Mexico crash. Successfully, successively, a spaceship was allegedly stored in the hangars of the SIA Marchetti in Vergati near Milan, a building destroyed by fire in 1940. So, of course, this is 1936. World War, World War II is just getting you know underway in Europe, and that's going to go on until 1945. So this is definitely where we lose the chain of custody of this thing. But so far, up to date, 1936, reported UFO crash or landing, disabled there. It must be unable to fly because it reportedly is sent to this SIAI Marchetti to be stored near Milan. Now, we're told that there were many UFO sightings between 1933 and 1940 in Italy, and a special secret commission during this uh, rule of Mussolini was put together to study it. It says it was founded by Mussolini with pilot Italo Balbo and then some other scientists and dignitaries and headed by uh, Guglielmo Marconi. It says the first UFO case that they studied was in 1931 near Venice and that this this second is this famous case one on June 13, 1933 there was this UFO landing or crash in Lombardy with with the UFO recovery. So there must have been an awful lot of UFO activity if Mussolini had put together a group to study these things before the crash had ever occurred. It says, after this episode, Mussolini created the secret commission Gabinetti RS-33. So you can see we go from a study group to this uh, cabinet research and espionage group is what it based, is what it, is what it stands for. It says he believed that UFOs were allied or German secret weapons, but Marconi thought that they were extraterrestrial. And it says that we have three telegrams that there's four, but we got three about the UFO recovery near Milan in 1933, and a protocol to the prefect for the Italian secret services and for newspapers to cover this news. In other words, they've got these guys, just like men in black, boy, they were really men in black, on the ground to investigate the scene or the sighting or the encounter of the UFO, and then they had instructions on 
what to tell the newspapers to say. They're going to control the narrative. It says, and it says that this Gabinetti RS investigated between 33 and 1940. Well, of course, you know, this is in the middle of World War II, so I imagine that's when they lost control of it. It says, many different Italian UFO sightings happened in that, in one case, a an Italian fighter plane intercepted a UFO between Ravenna and Rome. Now, it says in August of 1936, there was a multiple UFO sighting and two UFOs were seen over Mestra and Venice. It says it's also possible well, that the German V-7 discoidal aircraft was initially developed after this. Well, that's just speculation. But what we do know is, is that in 1936, th three years after this crash, another sighting occurred where they sent up a fighter plane to try to intercept it. But remember, 1936, they didn't have advanced aircraft. This is even what you would think of as pre-World War II stuff. In 36, maybe they got some monoplanes, but they're nothing like what they would even have a few years later uh, when they're with the, you know, with, with the Mustangs and all the great American fighter planes. I think it says that the plane was traveling 130 mile an hour. It's, it's almost like a motorized kite at that rate. Now, we have a couple opinions on what's just, you know, what to think, what this sighting is all about. And the first one is from an Antonio Hunis. And it says, he says, first of all, you know, he tells us that we have to remember that Roberto Panati, that was Italy's leading UFO expert and director of CUN, or National Ufological Center, is now the world's largest civilian UFO research organization, and Alfred Lisani, another Kun researcher and writer, gave a lecture during the annual International UFO Symposium in San Marino in 2000 on the sensational discovery of alleged files going back to the 1930s when Italy was ruled by the fascist Benito Mussolini. And then it says copies of 18 secret documents from the fascist era were recovered handwritten notes, telegrams, as long as, as along with uh, forensic reports. Now, he goes on and tells us that it received considerable coverage in Italy, uh, even national, uh, even the, their national television network and their, you know, national papers. But these articles were posted in Italian online, and so it really didn't get traction amongst the UFO community in America. Remember, this is 2000. I'm not even sure we had Google Translate then. So 20 years ago, people in the UFO community in the U.S., like a lot of places, were still getting the majority of their information from the mainline news media. And, of course, the mainline news media wants nothing to do with a story like this. Now, he says that although these articles were posted in Italian, the, web, the Mussolini UFO documents were hardly noticed by the American UFO community, so this is the first time the full story has been told in any detail outside of Italy. He said that it all began in 96 when Roberto Panada received a handful of written notes. talks about these notes that they, they were bearing the seal of the Kingdom Senate. And that was Mussolini's time period because Mussolini ruled Italy with an iron grip, nominally under the title of King. And then they're dated 1936, and it's reportedly by this secret agent. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Majestic 12. It says the year is 1936, and the secret agent 
uses simply a first name, Andrea, or Andrew in Italian, and also includes a sketch even of the, of the mystery airship. Reportedly, it was sighted in the morning, not in the evening, it says. It was a metallic disc, polished and reflecting light, with a length of 10 or 12 meters. So you're talking, what, 35 feet? We're told two fighters from a nearby base took off, but were not able to reach it, even at a, even at 130 kilometers per hour. So there are planes only going about 100, about 100 miles an hour. These, like I said, motorized kites. Now, we're told the UFO didn't emit any kind of sound, which would lead one to consider an aerostat, or you could blimp, but nobody, but it says everybody knows that balloons can't fly faster than the wind. Well, this is true. And it says, uh, he reportedly says, I know for sure that it was seen by other aviation pilots. It was reported it has arrived to the hands of Ciano. Now, Count Ciano was Mussolini's son-in-law and Italy's prime minister of foreign affairs. And he was later executed after participating in a cabal to overthrow Mussolini and surrender to the Allies in 43. And his report continues that after approximately at least an hour and after passing over Mestra, it was seen as a sort of metal tube or gray slate. Now this is a little confusing to me because he says after passing over. So first we're told about this double, uh, this saucer, flying saucer-shaped object, and now we're told that it appears as a tube. It was seen as a sort of metallic tube or gray slate. And then it says a drawing by a confidential informant was redrawn by Andrew, who explained that A was described like a kind of aerial torpedo with very clear windows and alternating white and red lights where two hats, like those used by a priest, wide round with a dome in the center, metallic and following torpedo, without changing their relative positions. So now we have a description of two different UFOs. It's all, We have this uh, tube-shaped UFO, and then this uh, double-stacked saucer-shaped UFO, like the one that was reported to have crashed in 33. This is 36. It says the document mentions that the prefecture has opened an inquiry, but you can imagine that it will make little inroad and will have a similar outcome to that of 31. The Ducci has expressed his worries because he says that if there, if it were a matter of real English or French aircraft, his foreign policy would have to start all over again. Now, although Andre's report is only one of several received in 1996, you can see that its contents are sensational. They describe a classic flying saucer report with aircraft scramble and multiple witnesses in 1936. It also discloses that Mussolini and Siano, Italy's number one and number two leaders at the time, were intimately appraised of the situation. Indeed, other caches of documents received, always anonymously by Kahn and the newspaper El Resto, mention a mysterious department known as Cabinet RS-33. It was charged with both investigating and covering up. Wow. It was charged with both investigating and covering up what the document documents call unconventional aircraft or aeromobiles. Cabinet RS-33 had links with the fascist secret police, OVRA, and with Agenzia Stefani, the regime's news agency. So you see, you've got, you've got this uh, government agency working in cahoots with this fascist government, uh, the local news agency, 
and whoever else they need to to cover up these UFO sightings and control the narrative. Well, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? It goes on and says, uh, When World War II began, the cabinet's secrets were shared with, with and literally shipped to Nazi Germany. As Lassoni points out, rumors of Nazi discs have plagued the UFO literature for decades. He kind of gets into this a little bit, too, where he talks about this. Here's the problem. What they saw were actual UFOs, but then as they shared this information with the Nazis, then the debunkers will come along and say, well, that was some sort of uh, uh, highly advanced uh, Nazi UFO program, which, of course, is nonsense. If the UFO if the Nazis had developed aircraft that could do what these UFOs are described as doing, the Nazis wouldn't have lost the war. Okay, They were a deadly, hateful, spiteful, killer regime, and if they would have had that kind of technology at their disposal, they would have used it okay, to its fullest effect, even, even with the mismanagement of, of, of a bumbling psychopath like like Hitler. So I, I just think that muddies the water. In the same way today that we get these uh, videos from the U.S. government of UFOs, and then we're told that well they could be an advanced uh, an advanced uh, mechanical device from the Russians or the Chinese. Well, we see the Russians and the Chinese both struggling in, in different theaters. You would think that if the Russians or Chinese had this kind of technology at their fingertips they would have put it to use by now. So you see this whole idea of uh, advanced technology by by a um, third party, by an adversary, it, it just doesn't hold uh, hold up the logic, and actually it only serves to muddy the waters. Now, they talk about um, the actual uh, documents that they received. Uh, it says... Uh, only then, when the documents released to the Italian press and published in a series of articles beginning on March 10th, so they had the documents examined. They, it says, a series of chemical tests of the paper and ink. Remember, he had the originals and not copies, and he concluded that they seemed authentic. They seemed to be authentic handwritten documents from the fascist era. The color of the paper and ink aging processes led him to believe they were genuine and not modern forgeries. Leo Sony also consulted with Andre Bedetti a historian and expert on Italy's fascist period. He says, I cannot, I cannot exclude the real existence of Cabinet, R, cabinet RS-33, said Bedetti. He also examined the documents and said the lexicon and the bureaucratic style of the period, as well as the stationary Kingdom's Senate and Stefani agency telegrams and aeronautical terminology utilized, Bedetti found that all of it was consistent with genuine fascist-era documents. Now, he says he didn't rule out a skilled forger, but it would have, would have had to have been somebody with deep knowledge of the fascist style, vocabulary, and terminology. Now, we have a second opinion here from Alfred Lissani. He says, my hypothesis basically tells us is that the saucer recovered in 1933 had been hidden in one of the most discreet hangars in that region, namely the hangar of the aeronautical establishments of Sia, Marchetti, and Varagati, or the Sesto Calende in the Vares region of Ticino, which at that date were under the control of General Italo Balboa, and of course he's one of the members of this RS cabinet. Remember, Mussolini was in league with the uh, leaders of the 
the different factories and businesses. So fascism, you know, you are combining the corporate leadership with the government and basically just making slaves of the people. So they had all of these assets at their disposal. If they needed a big hangar to park this thing in, they had it. So he goes on, he says that it looks like on June 20th, 1933, they gave the first report emphasizing that forms of life on Mars were in contact with men of Earth. That happened a lot back then. If they found anything that they, that they thought was alien or entities, they automatically assumed they were from Mars. It says almost as if it was a matter of official revelation that at the Marchetti at Sesto, there was a director with the name of Moretti, and at the time of the Italian Social Republic, it was precisely a man named Moretti who, having gone over to the resistance, had set fire to the hangars at Vergati, which maybe were guarding some unmentionable space secret. So this sounds like one of the people that had control of this hangar was afraid that uh, the Nazis would get a hold of the spacecraft and so as part of the resistance of the Nazi, of the freedom fighters, he actually set fire to this place and attempted to destroy it. That's pretty interesting. It says, um, and finally, that when World War II was over, the U.S. forces, members of the Nazi Secret Service, were infiltrated precisely into Sesti Kalandes simultaneously with voices, quote-unquote, regarding the presence of terrestrial flying saucers kept at Varagati and that the entire region from time immemorial was at the center of a most of a most intense UFO logical activity to such a degree that it gained the nick that it gained the nickname of being the Tenchino Triangle. Indeed the R S thirty three cabinet had continued to work right up to the time of the Italian Social Republic the period in which a part of the documentation on UFOs and in several sealed boxes had been sent to Berlin, while a part, a not irrelevant part, remained in Italy. And this latest consignment of materials, and in this latest consignment of materials, there were included copies of new documents which were possibly demonstrated the existence of agreements between Hitler and Mussolini for the study of alien technology, agreements that had been made in 1938. Well, that's some scary stuff, you know, if the if the if the Nazis could have got a hold of this thing and somehow back engineered it, that would have been big trouble for all of us. Now it goes on and says these documents were an agent Stefani message from Florence containing an interview with the Fuhrer Hitler when he was visiting Italy, a banknote of the nominal value of a million lira black funds of the RS-33 cabinet, minutes regarding the oath of secrecy given by the professors who collaborated with the fascist government, and an invitation to Benito and Rochelle Mussolini to Villa Torellano. Wow. So this thing just gets deeper and deeper, really. You know, and it, What we find out here is we've got multiple sightings in the early 30s, 1931. We've got this UFO crash in 1933. The craft is hidden away somewhere. We think it might have been intentionally destroyed by freedom fighters in an effort to keep it from falling in into the hands of the Nazis. We have UFO sightings going on all during the war because we've all heard of the Foo Fighters. And then there's stories about even uh, the, the U.S. Army trying to recover this thing. And we know all about Paperclip because that's where the U.S. went in and just got as many of the 
Nazi uh, rocket scientists as they could to begin to develop our own space program. But what I think is fascinating about this is how this whole thing just ties into history, into the history of ufology, into the, into the history of mo- modern politics, and how all these governments, while they're telling you and I that they don't think these things are real or that they believe that they're just uh, manufactured by some other country, they understand this is some sort of advanced off-world technology, and they desperately are trying to get their hands on it, whether it was back in 1936 or whether it's today. Things seem to be playing out exactly the same way. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.